Welcome to Changeboard's Future Talent Podcast, our series of exclusive interviews with senior business leaders and thinkers to uncover their perspectives on the changing world of work. I'm Tom Ritchie, Changeboard's multimedia editor. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe. The Future Talent Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm joined by Tracy Groves, CEO and founder of Intelligent Ethics. Tracy is passionate about helping leaders define and embrace what doing the right thing means to their business and is an expert in helping them embed their business's purpose into their day-to-day decisions. She has previously worked for PwC as a partner, leading corporate governance, risk and compliance projects for clients. In this podcast, I asked Tracy what leaders can do to close the gap between what they say and what they do, the reaction of business to the Me Too movement and the role of technology as an agent in rebuilding trust within organisations and society at large. Hi Tracy, um, thanks for speaking with us today. Uh, I thought we could start by you just giving a, giving us a brief overview of your career. Um, why did you found Intelligent Ethics and what is the purpose of the business? Thank you, Tom. Uh, I had a fantastic career at PwC. I was there for just over 26 years, travelled the world working with some amazing clients in the field of change management consultancy and more latterly forensic services. I built a passion for helping organisations develop what doing the right thing means for them. So corporate conduct and ethics are very much at the heart of what I do. I decided that actually it was time to break out on my own and to even create a bigger impact outside of the firm. So Intelligent Ethics was born. And what I do is I help organisations develop a sense of integrity and a culture that is built on trust and respect. And so one of the greatest um, challenges for leaders, uh, and I'm sure that this is something that you've, you've done a lot of work with or with your clients, is, is clearly explaining their business's purpose. Um, so how can leaders build the gap between what they say and what it is they actually do on a day-to-day basis? So you're making the assumption there that there is a gap, yes. <laughs> and I don't disagree with you there. Um, and actually what we're finding is that gap needs to be filled with a level of trustworthiness that comes through being trusted. So what does it mean to be trustworthy? So that talks about behaviours which are built on moral principles of honesty, of integrity and fairness. And that's not an easy thing to do. In the world that we live in today, which is fast-paced, overloaded with data and very, very networked, leaders need to be very agile and grapple with this. So they need to be uh, high-integrity politicians, for example, Mm. navigating change, but at the same time retaining their character. They need to be very global in what they do and how they do it, but at the same time in touch with local and very much the cultures within which they're touching at that point in time. So this is about how they can be authentic and how they can engage at a level which is beyond the transactional, but much more around transformation. So um, do you you think that articulating a business's purpose has become more important in, in recent years? I don't think it's become merely just more important. I think it's become absolutely critical in the world that we live in today, where people are seeking clarity about what they stand for, what value they bring, and the meaning they have in their day-to-day lives. And I think it's not this clarity just coming from individuals in terms of talent and leadership. It's also coming from society uh, and wider stakeholder groups who are demanding much more from business in terms of what is your impact on, on the world? What is your legacy? And how can you sustain and create a legacy that is going to be something that is built on purpose and is a positive contribution to the world? 
And so a lot, uh, it's said that a large section of society is said to have lost their trust um, in institutions, be it government, their workplaces or the media. Um, I mean, yeah, we're talking two days after the Brexit vote, which Theresa May lost 230 by 230 votes, the biggest uh, single loss in, in, in government history. Um, and it feels like trust is at an all-time low in some of our institutions, in particular the government, um, and also parliament, politicians at large. How important is trust to leadership in business and also society as a whole? You know, Tom, every single year Edelman produces its annual barometer on trust yeah. uh, around the world. And it tells us that there is a growing trust deficit between trust and society, uh, between business and society. And my question is, do we actually have a crisis of trust or do we more have a crisis of leadership? And why would anybody want to be led by you if you are not trustworthy? So let me give you an example. If you're in a relationship with another individual, whether that's business or personal, and that person constantly lets you down, mm. they don't say what they're going to, they don't do what they're going to say, uh, they say one thing, they do another, and they don't fulfill their commitments or obligations to you. In a personal world, all things being equal, you'd walk away from that relationship. You'd yeah. recognise it's not working. And why would business be any different? If I'm working with a leader where there is a lack of, or there is more ambiguity and a lack of consistency in terms of what they're saying and what they're doing, there comes a point in time where people start to question authenticity and therefore the deficit comes through, the deficit of trust comes through the inability of that leader to actually do what they're going to say. Mm. One thing that has kind of that can lead to a real um, lack of trust is if there is a crisis and it's not been handled in a correct way. So again, use the example of the current state of British politics. Um, so how can leaders react to a crisis that may have caused their people to have lost trust in them? Personally, for me, it's absolutely critical that leaders act with humility and they act with honesty through recognition that there have been mistakes made and that they need to re-engage and re-establish a level of trustworthiness through not just what they say but mm. what they do, this is how we then make progress in terms of that level of engagement. In fact, this morning I was just reading the report that's come out from the Independent Commission on Oxfam um, in terms of how uh, apparently, according to the report, there is a culture, a toxic culture, built on bullying and built on uh, inability to be able to embed the corporate values in terms of the decisions that they make as an organization. So leaders need to actually recognize that when under pressure, under uh, scrutiny, there needs to be a humility, be able to be transparent in terms of where they may have done things differently and recognize that actually there needs to be a consistency and constancy of their behaviors and their decisions. So um, on the 21st of March, you'll be joining us at the Future Talent Conference. We're very looking, very much looking forward to having you there. Uh, you will be speaking about the, the Me Too movement. Um, what do you think has been the general reaction of business to the change in perspective on the issue of, of harassment? I'm really looking forward to speaking at the conference um, and it's a great topic to be talking about and personally what I've observed is that the Me Too movement has highlighted some appalling incidents of sexual assault in the workplace and you look at some of the reports that have come out, one recent one uh, where over 100,000 people in the workplace uh, were experiencing, 49% uh, of those were experiencing some form of bullying and harassment. Now the 49% figure is staggering but mm. what that tells 
tells me is what are the other 51% not doing? You know, yeah. do they feel compelled not to be able to say anything or are they simply choosing to look away? So for me, going back to your question, Tom, leaders need to accept that corporate culture can only be improved when leaders think and actually then action how they can nurture an environment of psychological safety in the workplace. And what does that mean? That means that people feel safe to question, they feel self, feel safe to be able to have a different point of view, and they have a voice in the workplace mm. that is respected and it's built on a level of trust. They know the repercussions of that will not do them any harm. And that, to me, has to happen every single day, whether it's in the boardroom or in the shop floor. And Me Too, I think, is simply a manifestation of some of the fear that's been driven through over-abuse, uh, shall we call it, of rules and a compliance-led environment where people feel that unless they do what they're told to do, then ultimately there will be consequences that they're fearful of. Mm, and you touched on it um, briefly there, but uh, I'd kind of like to go into a little bit more detail on, on how leaders can create a culture where their people feel respected and safe from bullying and harassment and possible, like you said, possibly sexual assault. I'm collaborating with a psychologist at the moment, actually, Dr. Claire Murray, who's done a lot of work on this. And she's developed her framework called the Strategic Relationships Management Framework, which is built on very fundamental blocks of four things in the workplace, but are so critical. And what we're doing is working together to build on the first block, which is respect. What do we mean by that? That is actually creating a we mindset. So we're in it together, mm. effectively. So collaborating through decision-making, engaging with people, consulting with your team. The second block is called rapport. So establishing a level of trust and engagement through connecting and being empathetic. So being sensitive to the impact of your decisions on others and recognising what that means. The third and fourth are about responsibility and about reflection. So taking responsibility means approaching challenges in the workplace with a problem-solving mindset. Mm. So instead of walking away and not being able to take responsibility for the consequences of what you're doing, to actually work through that in a way that is collaborative and is built on trust. And then finally, that reflection piece, which is being able to take a step back, to reflect and to review in a way that is independent, but also cognizant of being able to potentially change a course of action and these are all very practical and they don't require a huge amount of effort this, mm. you know people say this is very intensive Tracy in terms of budget or resource actually no the most demand thing of it is it takes time yeah uh, and people need to care and I think that level of kindness and care in the workplace we really need to work and focus on mm. and so uh, just to kind of bring this back to more kind of a societal uh, aspect, society's views on these issues has changed really tangibly over the last few years and over the last maybe generation of people who have come into the workplace. What role uh, do Gen Y or millennials, uh, what role does their perspective uh, on the Me Too movement, uh, how, what role has that played in changing attitudes in the workplace? I don't know if it's a particularly generational thing. Mm. If um, you think back to the history of Me Too, it was actually started in 1997 uh, by a lady called Tarana Burke, an African-American civil rights activist from New York. And Me Too, as we know it today, is not just about celebrities being abused on the uh, uh, casting couch, shall we say. Yeah. And it's not just about uh, predatory men with power in the film industry. It's actually a manifestation of how women have had to live their lives and the debasing misery 
of continuing gender equality. So it's been going on for generations. And what's new, what you're highlighting for me in terms of putting the spotlight on the generation piece, is how the internet and how social media has really accelerated and intensified the response to some of these cases and some of these allegations mm. of inappropriate behaviour. Because effectively, if you think about it, Me Too is a form of civil disobedience. Yeah. It's women taking the law into their own hands and recognising the fact that actually enough is enough. And they are wanting to blow the whistle in terms of how they're being treated and really putting a spotlight on discrimination and inequality, not just uh, within particular industries, but also across all of society as well. So whether it's within the corridors of Westminster, uh, within the third sector of charities that we've just been talking about, or the fashion industry. So for me, personally, I genuinely think this is uh, a, a timing issue. Yeah. And technology, which I know we're going to probably touch on in a moment, yes. has really invigorated that and been a pivotal uh, catalyst shall i say in terms of making that much more vocal mm. yeah so that it, we are going to touch on that right now actually so we we spoke earlier about trust and the lack of trust in society at large and one of the factors that i think has been driving that is technology in many ways it is expedited bullying and harassment um, but it can also be used as a tool for building that trust and for facilitating movements such as me too um, so what do you think is the positive way that we can use uh, technology for building trust between separate locations or networks or people within organisations or just anyone really? I think it's a great question because quite often technology is used in a negative way mm. <laughs> as in it's destroying trust but creating excitement about winning together rather than a fear of losing face or reputation is key to building a trustworthy culture. And I think technology can really help that. Um, and a new trust paradigm, if I can call it that, is emerging. And it's fueled by the social, economic and technological forces that we're seeing today. And we are changing not only how we are trusted in the workplace, but also how we view trust. So let me give you a couple of examples. Um, look at how we are, uh, for example, uh, willing to rent a room in a house mm. um, via a, an online platform. Look at how we are sharing cars um, in order to get from A to B. So no longer sitting in the back of a, a taxi cab by ourselves. Uh, we are choosing our life partners uh, through an online dating app, for example. So this is how technology is changing the way that we as humans are making decisions that affect our day-to-day -day health, our security, and also our long-term happiness as well. Mm. So for me, it's a... Um, an incredible force that's being unleashed through technology. The challenge comes is how we make sure it's being used in the right way that is going to benefit us as a human race. Mm. And uh, to finish, um, more specifically, how can business leaders use technology to help them create an atmosphere where their people feel there's trust and, and respect? So this is where I was leading to in, in my previous response to you, Tom, which is actually we need to place the human at the heart of the design of technology. Mm. So whatever it is that we are creating with new and emerging technology, and, art and artificial intelligence is very dominant at the moment in terms of the research that's taking place, whether it's around reducing poverty, combating uh, climate change, eradicating disease, unless it is done with humanity at its heart, then, I, then there is the fear and the consequence of that may not be uh, in line with what we hope for. And what do I mean by that in a practical way? I mean that it needs to be governed, built on ethical principles of honesty, uh, transparency, and those values which we hold dear. So 
technology needs to have to be accountable. It needs to be not so clever that it can't be explained. Mm. Um, it needs to be held responsible for what it comes out with. So building those principles in right from the very start through a governance framework is really, really important. And, and leaders need to take responsibility for driving that and taking ownership and making sure that's at the heart of what they do in their strategy. Tracy, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We look forward to seeing you at the Future Talent Conference. Thank you, Tom. I'm really looking forward to it. Tracy will be joining us at the 6th Future Talent Conference at the Royal Geographical Society in London on the 21st of March. Visit ftconf2019.com. That's ftconf2019.com to register for your ticket. Thanks for listening. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon. <laughs>